Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Cobras and Fire Podcast, part of the Decibel Geek Podcast Network, featuring special guest from the classic metal show, author Chris Aiken. We get locked in on Judas Priest Turbo Baby. to welcome to the program author and host of the classic metal show chris aiken uh we're going to talk a little bit about judas priest turbo today chris welcome to the program how are you tonight 
I have arrived, man. I've I've hit cobras and fire. I stopped <laughs> doing all these other interviews, man. It's all good. Yeah, you were waiting for this one, huh? I'm uh, waiting, waiting. I passed on Rolling Stone. I passed on Eddie Trunk. I passed on everything. Oh, nice. The cobras and fire. It's the only one I wanted to do. As long as you passed on Trunk, that's all I care about. But, uh, well, the only the the best thing I could do with Eddie is just keep listening and keep bringing his clips to my show and then just tearing them apart. So. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, he gets a lot of crap, and sometimes for good reason, but uh, yeah, sure. I have to admit, I check out a show on a pretty regular basis. Dude, I'm a, I'm a subscriber to his podcast. I listen to it every Thursday. I, I would never say that he's not a good interviewer. I would never say that I don't enjoy his show. The only thing I would say with Eddie is that he really thinks that he is the reason that metal is still alive and it's like dude come off the mountain a little bit my friend you're not you know that metal show was a good show but it didn't save metal and it hasn't been on in what five years now so move on it couldn't even save itself yeah i mean netflix will sign anything that's ever been a hit or or reboot bad bullshit like one day at a time but they won't do that metal show come on that's a good point. Uh, boy, uh, <laughs> I'm going to get Don Jameson on the phone and see if he can chime in on that. Um, well, today we're talking about your book. Uh, well, tell me a little bit about it. I, you sent me the audio book. Is it an audio only? Just No. Okay. No, it, there, it's, um, it's, it's in every format. It's, in, um, it's, it's, called, call, it's called Cause and Effect Turbo. It is, um, and Cause and it, Effect is your series of books, right? Yeah. I, I, write a, I write a series of books. I'm still writing them. I got a bunch more to do. But um, they're 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 not. I, it's weird to call it a book. I mean, it's not it's not a big thick three hundred page thing. It's you know seventy five pages or something like that. Okay. It's like it's like a mini book, I guess. But it's um what it is is um I I like to write and I write books that are about music and then I write books that are not about music and I kind of alternate. I go back and forth with them. But the cause and effect books are. I've taken a series of um of albums that I think changed something legitimately for, for just change something legitimately like cause and effect turbo obviously was a widely div- divisive record for the Judas priest fans. Okay. You know, a lot of people jumped off the bandwagon with, with turbo. Uh, I did the Motley crew 94 album, which some people will tell you is the greatest thing that has the word Motley crew on it. Some will tell you that's the worst piece of shit ever and should never have been released. And then I did the Black Album, which obviously that changed everything from Metallica's fan base to the way rock radio is even programmed anymore. You know, they they redefined what heavy could be as far as being successful. So, you know, there was a lot that went into that one as well. But that's 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 what this series is about. It's it's never going to be an album where people are universally going to say this rules. Um, the next one that I'm doing is um, is almost certain to have most people saying this sucks because I'm 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 torn between either doing Doc and Shadow Life or Megadeth Risk, and oh. there aren't many fans of either of those records. So. <laughs> well, if you're looking for a record that there aren't a lot of fans of, you can try any of the Jesus Chrysler catalog. Uh, that's the band <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> well, I'll 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 have to Plug. I'll have to find the, the the high mark before I can find the low mark, right? Yeah, good luck with that. Um, you know, I'll, I'll tell you this on the Motley Crue ninety fourth thing. My experience has been a little different than what you just described. I basically, and I, and I don't mean this as a joke. Uh, mm-hmm. Most people, when you mention that record, it's either I love it or 
I have no idea what you're talking about. There doesn't seem to be a lot of people that, like, rejected it. It's more... I kind of feel the same way about The Elder a little bit with Kiss, right. but but there is there is just more people that didn't ever give it a chance or ever listen to it that than there are people who actually bought it and hated it. Sure. Yeah, there, and there definitely are. There's there's a lot of people that if you play a song, even if it's a you know the hit, Hooligans Holiday, they won't know what it is. Sure. They, they'll, they'll be like, never heard that before. And it's like, wait a minute, you're the same age as me. How did you not hear this? But <laughs> it happens, Ben, but, you know... For me, these books are fun. You know, it's it's. It was the, a fun listen, that's for sure. Well, that's great. <laughs> you know, it's dude, and you know this by putting out a podcast every week. Yeah, you put it out every week, and you really hope people dig it, and you you know you hope that not too many people come back with, man, what a worthless piece of shit that is. But you know, so far the response with this one and all of them have, has been really good, and. Um, I'm glad you enjoyed it, man. I'm I'm really proud of this one. I think it's the best music book I've done so far. I am a big fan of the record. I was at the time. I remember the, the commercials like, don't leave home without your turbo. Do you know me, lead singer of Judas Priest, idol of millions? Wherever I go in case folks don't know me, I always make sure I carry my turbo. Judas Priest's new album, Turbo. Don't wreck home without it. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, it was just a big thing for me. I got into Priest, uh, uh, I want to say the Christmas 85, where um, my stepsister gave me Defenders of the Faith and uh, Screaming for Vengeance. And that was really my entry point. Uh, And those still kind of remain like my core idea of what this band is. But this album, I mean, I knew they were, I mean, it was kind of weird that both them and uh, Iron Maiden made the, the, they, 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 they adapted to the whole synth guitar thing at the same time almost. And they, they almost bailed on it just as quickly, and they were the only bands to do it. But this record, I don't know. I just something about it. I still listen to it. Uh I I listened to it you know fairly recently and, and I think it's pretty strong all the way through. Yeah, I, I've I've never obviously you you heard what I thought. I, I really don't understand why there was such hate on it. I, I mean I don't think it's a perfect record. I mean there's mm-hmm. there's a few songs that I don't especially love. But you know what? It's just a fun record. And for me, I was, what, 17 years old or whatever at the time when it came out. And it was right in my wheelhouse. It was, you know, it was it it sort of adapted toward what was going on in 1987, that whole Motley Crue-ish type of a vibe. And if you look back at that time, you had Judas Priest mellowing just a little bit and and doing more of a hair metal-ish type of thing. A little glammier image. Yeah. Yeah, a little. Rob Halford grew his hair out, right, and wore the red. They all they're wearing the red leather instead of the black leather, and that's right. You know, they they were doing it. But when you think about other bands, Ozzy obviously did it with the Ultimate Sin. He had the big poofed out hair and the, you know, the the outfit that looked like a reject from a striper <laughs> photo shoot. You know, I mean, he he was doing it. Then you had Van Halen debuting with Sammy Hagar, and that was a whole different, less abrasive Van Halen. Yeah, you know they're there was just a lot of bands at that exact moment that were, they saw that that success was in that whole image over substance thing. And they tried to get on that train a little bit. And not that I think that the turbo doesn't have substance. I do like it, but I understand while I don't agree with people that hate this record. <laughs> I think it's just that it's different. And, and you know, like I mentioned that article I wrote about, about the, the five records that kind of get this bad rap. They all kind of fall in that thing where it's just like, 
it's it just doesn't fit in your perfect hole of what you know this band is. I like the idea that it did something different. I think it, it, it I think it's, it's it's an amazing sounding record. One maybe one of Tom Allen's best production work. And it opens up with Turbo Lover, and it basically says, "You're no turning back now. This is not fucking living <laughs> after midnight." I mean, you know, right. it's. <laughs> <laughs> right and, and it and it's um and it it really did define turbo lover definitely defined what the record was and you know and it, it's just so much of a fun record i mean more than anything i mean yeah living after midnight had its success and whatnot and and i mean but for the most part Judas Priest, and, and and this is me showing that I'm way too old now, but yeah. I remember Judas Priest was like the heaviest shit that most people knew at the time. Yeah, you yeah, know? it was like them and Maiden were the, the the heavier bands, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean, people were people were not as familiar with Metallica and Megadeth and Anthrax. That was the stuff that the weirdos that smoked pot and did drugs listen to you know for for the rest of us we thought we were being heavy if we were listening to like motley Crue and quiet riot and acdc yeah right, right around the two-year period of this record when it would be when i first heard like uh metallica and it was yeah. like it was like it was like really fast punk rock to me i'm like and i i can't understand what they're saying it's so fast right. it, it, i i kind of I'm a big uh, thrash fan now, but sure. it took me to the late '80s to really like, you know, all of a sudden, like, okay, I get it now. But mm-hmm. so, yeah, it was to me that was like just really obscure. You know, you weren't right. gonna seal the deal with a Slayer record. You were gonna do right. it, fucking Turbo Baby. Exactly, or or, but it wasn't even Turbo Lover though that would get if you were you working on a chick or something. It was stuff like Hot for Love or yeah. Wild Nights, Hot and Crazy Days. You know, they they like that kind of you know poppy anthemic anthemic you know raise your fist and yell type of music. Yeah, yeah, they like Poison. <laughs> yeah, they ended up liking Poison and Warrant and Slaughter uh, and you know that second wave that was just kind of but. You know, not not my favorite stuff. That I mean, I listen to that stuff too, but it's definitely not my favorite. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I always thought that like, I, look, I don't, I don't really. There's some poison songs I I, I can you know guilty, guiltily sure. enjoy. However you want to put it, right? Uh, but the, I always thought that dudes that were really into poison were kind of sad. <laughs> it was just, it should be mostly women. It that's okay. Yeah. Poison was, you know, I, I tell this story all the time. I, I am the biggest, the biggest loser when it comes to owning a metal, the quote unquote metal card. Yeah. If, if, if there's such a thing, I don't own it because I, I listen to everything and, and I like everything. And, you know, when I was growing up, see this type of music, this Judas, Judas Priest and ACDC and Motley and stuff, that was my transitional music. For me, I was more interested in banging chicks so yeah. I was always listening to I would listen to this stuff because this was what I liked, but I was also listening to Madonna and the Romantics and Billy Squire and Prince and you know, all of that was going on at the same time. And I was a big fan of all of it. You know, I I make no bones about it then or now, you know. So it, it's weird to me that it was weird to me that when this especially turbo started getting popular you know i tell the story in the book that i had i had a girlfriend and i was putting it on i put one of the one of the records on to kind of piss her off to get her to leave me alone 
And she was like, all right, this is pretty good. And I was like, wait a minute, you're supposed to hate this because you like the romantics. She's like, no, no, this is good. You know, and it's like, <laughs> you know, it, it, it really was that kind of, it was the time that. It was a different time, right? There was like this clear division between people who liked this kind of music and people who liked Madonna. You almost yeah. walked on opposite sides of the hall in high school. Oh, yeah. You didn't want, dude, even think about it as, as sexy as that Madonna look was and all the girls were doing it. With the with the ripped up tops and the you know the see through tops with just a bra underneath and all that stuff which was just hot, you did not mingle with those girls if you were if you were in that other side if you were in the other side of the of the musical spectrum you'd see them in the hall and you'd be like look at this pathetic shit you yeah. know it was kind of sucked too because you're also horny all the time and frankly. <laughs> Metal, especially then, and did not really draw the hot girls until no. until like Bon Jovi, maybe if you count them. Dude, I I lost a girlfriend, and this is this is a horrific true story, but I lost a girlfriend because prom fell the same night as Dio and Rat at the Richfield <laughs> Coliseum, and instead of going to prom, I bought tickets and went to Dio because I was like, it's obviously. Dio. It's uh, Dio. The first metal album I ever owned was Sabbath's Heaven and Hell. That didn't work so, when you were like, it's Dio. Yeah. And, and I was Get your just head like, out of your ass, you dumb bitch. I know. And, and I literally was like, well, you can go. And she was like, oh, fuck you. Uh, <laughs> and out I went. I got you a not, ticket. <laughs> I would have, but I was definitely going to Dio. I, there was no two ways about it. <laughs> you know, pussy's one thing, but Dio. Come on. Yeah, no, it's... man. Fuck yeah. Yeah. <laughs> my my uh, big squatter plan around that time, I, I got my driver's license and bought uh, a ticket to to take a girl to kiss crazy nights. And okay. I ended up just taking a dude because I couldn't get a girl to say yes. So uh, uh, there's my sex life in high school summed up. But uh, <laughs> Nice. Uh, maybe if it was Dio, I could have. You know, I was like, yeah. Kiss, I don't know. Band. What about Dio, bitch? Oh yeah, like Rainbow in the Dark. <laughs> if, if, if you'd have had, if you'd have had Dio or Ozzy or something like that, maybe you'd have had a chance. But Kiss, a little too clowny for the girls. Yeah, a little too much. So, but uh, well, let's get back to Turbo a little bit. That is what we're talking about. Uh, sure. I, I um, I had a slightly different. Uh, uh, I don't know a social network. I would I would think um, th- my reaction to the record was very similar to yours, the way you describe it in the book, where I, I embraced it almost immediately. I almost became a bigger Judas Free uh, Judas Priest fan listening to this, but I didn't really have those friends that were giant Priest fans leading up to this that would go, I shun this record. Everybody right. was they were okay with it. I mean, I don't know. It, it was it was such a weird time, man. And again, I think it goes back to the fact that I was not in that, like I was not in the metal guys click. And I, I, you know, I was just sort of all over the place musically with with stuff. So for me, if tell I tell the truth, it, you actually uh, pretty much dressed like Billy Squire in the um, <laughs> Rock Me Tonight video, and that kind of that, that killed all your metal cred. I will not lie and say that I did not have the the orangish pink pants. I absolutely did at one point. Man, yeah, we're we got to be close to the same age. If you were seventeen when this came out, I would have been probably fifteen. There was definitely like this uh, movement of men wearing fluorescent colors, wasn't there? Oh yeah, dude, in parachute pants and 
You know, I, those I, rubber I re- bands you you stick around your wrist, they were black typically, or yeah, and the Michael Jackson jackets. I had all that shit. <laughs> oh, all right on. Uh, I didn't, but I was poor. <laughs> well, I, 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 this is even more sad. That that stuff wasn't even gifted. That was stuff that I I had a job working at a church, <laughs> and, and I I would go. I would take my little paltry one hundred and twenty dollars a month, and I would go to the clothing store and I would buy the Michael Jackson jacket or the parachute pants or the whatever the 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 Don Johnson white coat Ooh, or the yeah no socks the, yeah the fedora. You saved a if lot I, of money on socks if you were into the Miami Vice like. Yeah, but you had to have those. You had to have those laceless, um, laceless, um, <laughs> almost Crocs, whatever those were called. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about <laughs> loafers or something, but yeah, uh, whatever those were, they were like tennis shoe loafers. What the fuck do you do at a church for 120 bucks a month? <laughs> Cut grass and got oh, ready for okay. go, and you know, I did that, dude. I, I was such a horrible. You want to talk about a bad kid? My, I would work that job, and then I would take whatever I didn't spend. And I would buy weed, and then I would sell the weed in school. So I always had like lots of money, because <laughs> okay. because I would sell the weed. But it was so bad. I was funding my I was funding my pot selling habit with a church. <laughs> it seems appropriate. Yeah. Well, dude, not much about my life is appropriate. That that is for sure. <laughs> well, you and me both, I suppose. But. Uh... Uh, your book was very much about a personal experience and and how it interacted not just you know with you personally but in your life at the time. Um, kind of an interesting way to approach it. Uh, did, did you dig it all into like the making of the record or anything like that? Not a, not a ton. You know what? I I, I mean, and I don't. I, I did more on this one than I did on the other two. But I, I try not to really do that because that's that stuff has pretty much been done and documented everywhere. I mean, dude, I, I mean, honestly, if you want to know everything you need to know about the recording of Turbo, there's a there's a full chapter in KK Downing's book dedicated to it where they're in the Bahamas and yeah. they're you know, and he's talking about that he wouldn't stay in the studio because he was running around chasing chicks at the bar and whatever. And, and, and I mean, I always find that that stuff is is out there and it's available and, you know, for me, I try to I try I'm a pretty good storyteller. Yeah. And yeah. I just try to tell stories that that like you, you may not have the same stories that I do, but it makes you remember that time. If you were if you were of age at that time. And, you know, I I think I mean, you heard my book and, and what did you do? You're you're immediately telling me stories about. Well, you know, you did this and you listened to that and you were, you know, it took you back to that time. Absolutely. And and that's kind of, you know, all I hear out of that is mission accomplished, because that means that I told my stories well enough to to make you want to revisit a time that was obviously a fun time for you as well. Musically, it was. I'll be honest. I mean, uh, it wasn't a great time at home for me. Uh, sure. My 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 dad was in his second marriage, and it was kind of a, sh- a shitty existence. I've covered it on the podcast, so I'm not going to go back to that. But stuff like this made me happy. Going to school and getting away from that garbage made me happy. And I, I think a lot of times I was allowed to to escape into music because it was just easier for the the step parent. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. You know, and rather than she actually approved of any of this shit because she tried to control it at certain points, but. 
this actually that's a great segue into parental guidance because you talked about that. Yeah, a little bit. And I'm going to tell you to this day, I still hold I thought it was a stupid song at the time. And right. I still think it's stupid. And I, I, I no shame enjoy every minute uh but I, I thought when you read the lyrics you didn't do it justice because you're like no 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 you gotta you gotta sell it chris you gotta <laughs> not, not, no. you know what i mean it's like it's <laughs> it's a fun stupid song yeah for judas priest maybe a little embarrassing but i don't care And they obviously don't care either. That's that's the that's the funniest part about it is that if you bring that and I've interviewed I think everybody that everybody but Holland that that recorded Holland okay. recorded that right? Uh, I just double check here. I got it right in front of me. But yeah, Dave Holland. Yeah, so he's the only guy that I have not spoken to on uh, that that was you know one of the one of the key guys on the record. Now, did, and, is he the one that got caught up in all that nasty shit too? Yeah, he was the he was the child molester guy, yeah. like the Down syndrome kid, okay. rapist or something. Yeah, <laughs> something horrible. But yeah, um, not good. No, not at all. But I, I mean, I've talked to all of the other guys about Turbo, and every one of them will tell you that they that they hold it dear to themselves. Halford will tell you it's a tough time for him. But the other the other three, you know, KK and and Glenn and Ian, they will absolutely tell you, for the time that they were in, they they love it and they they have no regrets to it. Let's talk a little bit about that Halford thing because that was one revelation from your book that I was not aware of, and that uh, his lover at the time or partner, however you want to put it, yeah. uh, it was a different era, so you weren't getting married if you were gay, uh, right? But had committed suicide in front of him. Right in front. That's the story I've heard. Now, I've, I I do not have that story from Rob himself. I did ask him about it once, and he refused to talk about it. But um, I've heard from people very, very close to the band that 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 is what happened, was that there was, a, I don't know, an argument or a breakup or something, and um, the dude lost it and put Halford into just – a hellacious tailspin, which, I mean, it's not a secret. Rob has been very vocal about his drug and alcohol abuse, and yeah. that's that's when it hit its peak, was was during during the turbo era. And, it, and it, 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 once I heard that, I didn't hear that, you know, at the time. I heard it later. But when you listen to the record and then you, you know, you're just rocking along. The first four or five songs are just, you know, fun. And then all of a sudden, out the cold comes on.
It's like, whoa, where did that come from? That's like as out out of left field as it could be. But then it makes sense. It's the personal song that Rob did on the record. It's an amazing tune. I, I but I, I don't know that I would say it comes out of left, left field, at least from my perspective. I like when records have color and shape and, sure. and like and they're kind of lined up in a way that like the per like as they sequenced it. They were like, this is kind of purposeful for the listener to hear this as they're flipping the cassette or the vinyl over, you know, or the midway point of the CD, which would come later. But, uh, you know, just that kind of I really get into albums in that sense, especially if I like a record, I kind of like to to hear it, how it was like, you know, conceived in the artist's mind and how they want you to hear it. Sure. Yeah. And, and, you know, the weird thing about it is, is that, you know, people always assume that it's the way the artists want you to hear it. Yeah. I know on this record it is, but I can tell you for an absolute fact, as somebody that has sequenced a record for a, um, for a, fa- for a yeah. famous band, you know, that sometimes the artist just says, I don't know what to do with this. You do it. You know, that, and sometimes that's, the record company says no dice and, well, dude, like look I, at music I, from the elder from Kiss. I mean that that yeah. that retracking makes no sense on a concept <laughs> record, and uh, that was all because they didn't want to scare people. It was like I was like, it's too late. You already did Dynasty, but well, dude, when when Dokken did, um, I think it was uh, it was the one with um, recently that when they did um, what is that record called? Uh, Lightning Strikes Again. Okay. Uh, I, I, I was Don's web guy for years and, and Neely, who I do classic metal show with was, is Don's personal friend. We met up with him in Cleveland and Don, Don was like, here, you guys, you guys figure this out and put <laughs> the songs in order, put it in the order that you think would, be, would make sense. So he didn't even, you know, sometimes the artists don't have any clue at all. And literally Neely and I sat down one night, you know, and just played song after song and argued back and forth where songs should fit. And the 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 tracking that you got on that record was exactly what we gave him. So he probably just took the took the list we gave him and said, "Okay, you guys know right good." Right on. <laughs> so you know, I, I gotta guess that uh, when you've been in the game as long as he has, at mm-hmm. a certain point, certain things, certain little nuances like that, especially with the change in how we record music. It probably seems a lot less obvious. It's like, oh my god, I'm just, I, I, I'm, you're almost at your wit's end. So it was probably you. You were very helpful in that situation. Yeah, well, you know, and a big part of it is too is some artists, I, I, and and you know this, man, because you're an artist yourself. Some guys get too 
they get too close to their to their stuff where they can't be objective. Yeah. Where 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 the other side of that is some guys don't feel close enough unless they put their finger on every single little piece. And you know, it works differently for for some artists. Mm-hmm. I I think a band like Dokken that's been around 35 years I think th- these days he's just happy to croak out a song that sounds like Dawkins, you know? He's just happy to make it on stage. Yeah. Uh, boy, I, yeah, I'll tell you, to, I don't, to what you're speaking, I think it's always good when you get kind of look comfortable to shake things up. And, and yeah. in a situation like whether it's sequencing a record, bring someone that you would never bring in and make them do it. And then mm-hmm. just see what, just to get you thinking differently. Even if you end up going back to what you did, at least you right. just got a, a fresh, almost kind of like a reset everything, you know. Because like you said, when you're recording and you get into it and you dig into a project, and and you and you're doing it, it's kind of you kind of get this. This is going to be the first song. This is going to be the second song. This is going to be the last song. We're gonna, you know. But it's good to hear a different voice sometimes. But right, and, and what sounds right to you a lot of times only sounds right to you because that's yes. the order that you wrote things. Exactly. In. You had it stuck in your head for so long. Yeah. Uh, that, and, that was always the fourth track because that's the song that you worked <laughs> in a week three for two, two weeks or whatever. What did you, know? you think about them touring and open without in the cold? I liked it. It's not your typical barn burner to blast out of the gate with, but I thought it was kind of a, I don't know for anybody who hasn't seen priest live. That was the live album that uh, followed up with this. A video is out there. I thought it was cool. I thought it was cool too, and and I, I I did catch that tour, and it was a it was a great tour, and and yeah, opening without in the cold, definitely was a different, you know, I, I was a different message that Judas Priest was sending. You know? Yeah, just instead of I mean I I believe on the previous tour they had opened with Free Will Burning, you know, for the <laughs> previous, record, you know, and and boy to go from Free boy. Will Burning to Out in the Cold as your opener, wow. That's a that's a major shift in um in energy, you know, at the start of a show to say the least. Let me ask you this cuz you're definitely someone who who critiques and breaks these things and and has the passionate connection to it that I would I would I would think I can at least, you know, be somewhat on par with. Does sure. it, does it seem like people who don't get into it quite as much are less acceptance of change? Because to me, that kind of stuff kind of excites me when they do something kind of out of the box and it's good. Oh yeah, yeah, dude. And I'm sure you have this with your fans that listen to listen to CNF, man. You get people that are always asking for the next new thing. What's the new thing? What sounds good? What's cool? And then, but the bulk of the people that you run into, and I, I, I won't say you, but I will say that I run into doing the classic metal show. Yeah are people that do not believe that there was anything good recorded after 1989, <laughs> you know, and, and it makes me fucking nuts. Yeah. You know, it, it makes me crazy when I'll, you know, people ask, cause people ask all the time, well, what's good, what's new, you know, what's something that you're into or whatever. And I'll, you know, like you had said earlier, I think it was when we were doing this might've been before, when we were prepping, but you're a thrash guy. Well, I'm a huge thrash guy. That's yeah. my number one thing is thrash. I love thrash. And it can be the softer stuff, what I call the softer stuff, which would be like Testament or whatever, or it could be the, you know, waste or Slayer or, you know, what, you know, Havoc or whatever. And, you know, people ask me about bands and I always throw out thrash bands and I always throw out newer bands like a Havoc or a Warbringer or, uh, 
you know, blood for blood or, you know, stuff like that, you know, that are not necessarily new, new, but are last 10 years new, I guess. And I will throw stuff out to people and they'll listen to it. And I'll know that it, I know that it works for them because I'll know them enough to know that they own three or four Exodus records as an example. And I'll say, okay, well, if you like Exodus, try Lazarus AD. And they'll listen to like two seconds of it. And they'll hit me back and they're like, oh, that fucking sucks, dude. And I was like, oh, yeah, what song? And they will always throw me back the first song on the record. (laughs) Yeah, you didn't listen to it. You gave it a minute. Oh, man. Wake up. Give there's I, I get really annoyed when I hear people with the whole rock is dead and metal is dead and there's nothing good that's new and you know, nostalgia and nobody you know, every- buys more music. Oh, I think we're going on twenty nine years in a row now. Yeah. Uh, but what it drives me crazy even even bands that are that are old that are putting out new music and the fan and people that call themselves fans of the bands will say, ah, it's just garbage. I'm not, it's not as good as Judas priest. Prime example. Judas priest put out a killer record last year with firepower. Maybe not best ever, but it's a damn good record. Anybody that says that that's not a good record was never a fan of Judas priest. And, and I, and I have plenty of people around me that'll say, eh, you know, not, not, not the same, not as good. Not, I had not, to I had to give it a couple cracks before I started realizing that it was better than I thought on first listen. Um, I still put it, you know, probably a, a, a mid grade and their whole uh, mm-hmm. spectrum. You may not know, but people who listen to the show know I I and I've already dropped the damn record's name twice, so this is kind of stupid. I really enjoy music from the Elder from Kiss, but if okay. I was ranking my Kiss records, I mean, it's not that high. Yeah, you know, but the thing yeah. is, I like all of them. Except for a couple, but, you know, and this Priest record kind of feels like that, like the Firepower deal is that, like, I may not put it real high on the list, but it's a good record. Yeah, I mean, the, dude, every every band that's been around 35 years has a dog in their collection. Every single one of them. You know, I mean... This isn't a dog. I mean, I, no, I know what you're saying. Yeah, but, but I mean, these these non-accepting fans, they will put anything that came out after Painkiller as, as a dog. It's like, wait a minute. There's been a lot of good music and, you know, it's, it's not eye to eye by the scorpions bad for God's sakes. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's solid. Even if you don't think it's the best, even if you think it's middle of the catalog, but Judas Priest is like the highest of the high. So the middle of their catalog, you should still respect as a pretty damn good record. Well, what's the best song to uh, get a girl in the mood on turbo on turbo? Yeah. Oh wow, um, um, Jesus, maybe private property just because you'd be like trying to like get your hands on her tits anyway and give her the funny little, give her the little funny spot, you know, right when you're grabbing for a tit to fucking say get your hands off, you know.
play that game a little bit. What's the, be- what's the best song for self-love to listen to on this record? <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> um, Private uh, property. <laughs> yeah. Keep your I was going to say, same. <laughs> Locked in. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're huge uh, proponents of self-love on this show. Um, <laughs> Dude, we talk on the Classic Metal Show. We have had 100 hours of my absolute <laughs> appreciation of jerking off to porn and how I can't wait for sex doll brothels to be brought in as a as a legalized thing everywhere. Oh God! <laughs> I'm, I'm all about. I'm pretty st- sure that's on the agenda of of Nancy Pelosi right now. Well, she looks like a sex doll, an ugly one, but just you know, all frozen faced <laughs> and stuff. Uh, and there is your political segment on Cobras and Fire. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, we don't do a lot of politics. If we do, it's the quick one hitters. But uh, right. Uh, well, fair enough. What do you think? What's your what's your uh, fondest track off this? If you go the one go to song, where do you go? I usually go to Parental Guidance just because it's uh you know so I, you I do still dig it. Yeah, I do. I mean, I I, I truthfully, I mean, two, three, four are my are my tunes that I play pretty regularly on it. Locked in, private property, parental guidance. You know, I I. I always end up with those three and then dude, they're just silly songs. I know they're not the best songs, but you know, they're, they're definitely, if you can listen to those three songs and not headbang once then you never were a metalhead in the first place. I don't care if you love this record or hate it. Those are decent rhythmic rock tunes. I got erect when they played Turbo lover on the firepower tour here. <laughs> it's a good tune, man. It's it's a fun. The only the only negative that I have about Turbo Lover was that the video was so ungodly bad. But for the time, you think though? Oh, I thought it was kind of cool, dude. It was like a bad. It was like they they watched Terminator. Yes. And we're like, okay, we're going to do this, but we only have like one one millionth the budget. Well, of course. So what we're going to do is have this fat girl run back and forth after a tire that we're going to roll down the street. And they did the same stupid scene. They rolled it one way, then they rolled it another way, and the girl was <laughs> running back and forth after the tire. It was just but, – but to be fair, Judas Priest is one of those bands that never really figured out the video thing. I mean, if you look at – Look at free wheel burning. What is that? They they took a pole position machine and shot lasers out of it and had Rob Halford stand on top of it singing. Yeah. It, terrible. You know, they, they were never a good video band, but they tried. They you know, a, a lot of bands suffer from that. We did a, a, a month-long series on Black Sabbath for Halloween, and oh, yeah. we talked about, like, I mean, all, how first of all, they, they got into the video game late, obviously, with them being mm-hmm. more of a 70s band, but their videos were just horrendous. Dude, dude, I'm friends with the guys, but I'm the first one to say it. Dokken. Dokken's videos, every one of them sucks. There's not uh, a good one in the bunch. Let me think here. Hold on. Uh, I think the hunter was a decent video. Again, I'm thinking of things at the time that people like didn't kind of like just think was nothing ages well from that era when it comes yeah. to music videos. But oh yeah, um, it's not love. I thought was a cool video, just in the back of a truck. Uh, the truck. That's that to me is probably the closest to good. The hunter, if I'm not mistaken, with the hunter, that's the one where they shot near the graveyard because yes. they weren't because they weren't allowed 
in the graveyard. Yeah, but you can't tell unless you know. <laughs> yeah, but but it's like okay, if you're if you're dropping a million dollars on a video as they were at that time, you know what? Find a graveyard that says yes. Don't cheap out by saying, oh, well, we'll film close to it. What is that? Fair enough. I would actually say make a, make your own graveyard. Yeah, exactly. Because there's a re- the reason that they weren't allowed to do it is like, dude, people are like buried here. This is sacred yeah. to the people who paid to have this done. No, I yeah. get that. But, uh, yeah, you're right. What, what about Breaking the Chains? Still a classic that video. Oh, no, it's not. Dude, when when George Lynch like uh, does the force lightning out of his guitar and breaks... Uh, <sighs> All the chains. <laughs> playing the chains, playing the chain, chain riddled guitar that has chains oh, instead of guitar God. strings is terrible. And just the bad, bad, awful explosions of the chains as they come off of the whatever they're chained to is just terrible. And you can't say that it was the time because Michael Jackson did Thriller in the same year. So, yeah, he might you know, have had a, it didn't, yeah, but he did Thriller with the guy who, uh, um, directed and shot. Uh, uh, what was that? Oh, Werewolf oh, in London. Yeah, yeah, he did. I mean, yeah, Michael Jackson had more money, but sadly, breaking the chains back in those days when they didn't have any format to MTV. Yeah, you see it go from Thriller to Breaking the Chains, and you would be like, Jesus, who are these poor poppers? Yeah, no shit. Uh, yeah. What about, oh, what Into the Fire, where George Lynch is playing on top of a volcano. Yeah. That, yes. That's quality. That's quality. It's, it's not obvious that he's standing on a, you know, a stage with a really bad screen behind him. No, he told the story, like, it's literally like a volcano. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> I, I guess believe- I'm just a big sucker who bought the docking believe- VHS in 1980-whatever. Maybe it's true, but I think that's a little bit of a <laughs> a little bit of revisionist history on that. Oh, I think uh, maybe there's two shots we're thinking of. There is like an overhead shot, but the close-up yeah. where he's doing the guitar solo, yeah, he's not he's not on the fucking volcano. <laughs> Too funny. Oh uh, yeah. I'll, well, maybe I'll share that video as kind of a teaser for this. Uh, there you go. Oh my lord. So back to Turbo. Uh, any other shot? Or uh, I don't know. Memories or thoughts you want to share on the thing? Um, we didn't really do a track by track, which I don't. We don't need to. Um, yeah. I agree with you. I actually start with Turbo Lover. Probably my favorite song, but the first four are mm-hmm. are, are the the uh, the big ones. From there, oh well, out in the cold, of course. But other than that, it's a little weak. I mean, yeah. for the record, Wild Nights, Hot and Crazy Days is kind of silly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it, it's a it's a good record. To me, it's a good record. Is it great? No. Is it the best ever? No. You know, but it, but it's a solid listen. And, and I mean, to me, even 35 years later, it's no more dated to me now than it was when it came out. No, it's you a know? great sounding record. Yeah, and, and I like I like everything that's on it. The only... The only thing that I found to be odd was I talked to KK about the tune Reckless. And, oh, I know where you're going with this. Yeah, I actually have a, a question for you, but go ahead. Yeah, well, and he just, I don't want to say he lied, but I'll, I'll say he used <laughs> very revisionist history with his story about that this was supposed to be used in Top Gun and and but they didn't think it was going to be successful because they didn't know who Tom Cruise was. And it's like, 
come on. Now, what do you, which part do you think is a lie that it was going to? They were offered the movie, or that he didn't know who Tom Cruise was. That he didn't know who Tom Cruise was. Yeah, my wife happened to be in the car at that point in the book, and she uh, does not agree with you. I do. Uh, but she was like, hey, look, they're out touring. They don't know who Tom Cruise is. He, he, yeah, he was big enough at this time. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, I, he, had two, he had two major, major number one movies in the in the two to three years right before if it. If you yeah. could name 15 actors of the time, he would be yeah. one you could name. Yeah. He's one of the top three. And I mean, if you think back to that time. He had right before when this, because this would have been asked for probably in what two thousand five or early two thousand six. The right. two movies they did before that would have been um, what uh, risky business, which was gigantic. Yep, and and um, taps, which was gigantic. Yeah, and he had some bit roles, but he was he like like he was in the Outsiders too at the time. Yeah. Um, but that was really wasn't a a Tom Cruise movie. He was pretty small in that. Uh, he he's small in real life, people. Boom. I, boom. Uh, but no, I'm I'm actually with you. My question for you on this was, yeah. do you think it really would have been any goddamn different for them as a band if this would have been in the Top Gun soundtrack? Because it's not like Danger Zone would have been shoved aside. And right. reckless would have replaced it. Yeah, you know, I, I I can't imagine it, but at the same time, you know, it kind of goes back to what I said in the book about yeah. in that exact time period. And, and again, we're looking at a little window of time, not just the the record itself. Soundtracks were huge yep. in breaking in breaking bands. Oh, you and, made a couple great examples. Vision Quest. I mean, I couldn't believe when I first saw that movie, like years after I heard about that soundtrack. And I'm yeah. like, what a fucking piece of shit movie. Why right. was the soundtrack so big? Because yeah. all the songs were on it. You know, you didn't even mention Dio was on that fucking thing. Dio and wasn't Sammy Hagar was on there too, wasn't oh, he? Oh, yeah, that's right. You know, I mean, there were there were like three or four huge songs. And, of course, Crazy for You was gigantic. That was the big song that, you know, took Madonna to the next level. And and you also had John Waite, his first big single from Once He Left the Babies with Change was a big song, you know, so I thought that was a baby song. No, that is a that's John Waite's pre or post babies debut was on that soundtrack with with Change. And after after that is when he left the babies for good and, <laughs> and said, well, well, I can do that, you know, and I only know this because I am the baby's webmaster. <laughs> oh, are you really? Yeah, I am. I, okay. I do their social media and their web and stuff. So. Did you know that Ace Freely claims he asked uh, John Waite to be the singer for Freely's Comet? I did not know that. Yeah. that, that uh, John said no. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that would have been an interesting six months because those two egos could have never got along. Oh, no, no. shit. Uh, I guess I don't know much about John Waite, uh, but I, if, I would, if I'm like John Waite, I'm like, uh, yeah, not not a chance. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can't find a certification on this. Uh, I'm looking online, but that thing had to do a couple million. What's that? The, the, the soundtrack Vision for Vision Quest. Yeah. Oh yeah, it, it was, dude. I, I I know I bought it twice. I had it once as a cassette, and I had it once as an album. You know, it, <laughs> it, I know it, it. It was huge because Crazy for You was like every 30 minutes on MTV. 
fucking you know that? that Red Rider tune, Lunatic Fringe. Yeah, that was on uh, that, there too. How huge is that fucking song? And that nobody knows who that band is. And mm-hmm. it's it that is the first place it appeared. And that's yeah. all they are is just you know Lunatic Fringe. Yeah. Oh my god. And they, and they never did anything after it that I'm aware of. Yeah, I'm, I'm not even sure they had a record that it almost seems like a fake group made for a movie <laughs> about a band, like a movie about a band that's not not real, you know. The original Millie Vanilli. Yeah, there we go. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah. So I don't think Reckless, had it been included on Top Gun, would have made that much of a difference because I don't think people, while it, it does expose you. If the if the soundtrack is is a hit, that's great. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it really would help them as far as like well, Top Gun because I don't. I mean, I guess that that soundtrack did okay, but it's really just a one song soundtrack, isn't it? Just the Danger Zone thing by Kenny Loggins. Now, there was a couple of songs off of that one. There was the was it Bonnie Tyler or something. Well, they got a lot of traction off the Johnny Be Good, as bad as that was. And yeah, but but again, that one the. the the Johnny be good. The reason that didn't do, they got traction. I mean, that's probably a good example. They got some traction off that shit song. Cause it's terrible. I hate that. Their version. You're saying their version, the Judas priest version yeah. is just awful. Yep. That's but, bad. um, but it was yeah, a bad yeah. movie. You know, if it was a big movie, they might have done better with it. Early appearance by Uma Thurman, uh, some later spank material. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm looking at the yeah, okay. <laughs> Top, Top Gun did have some Top Gun had some hits on it too. Let's hear it. You know, it had um it had Danger Zone, it had Take My Breath Away by Berlin. Remember that one? Yeah, but wasn't that a hit before that? I don't think so. I think hmm. that's where that one came okay. from. It had it had Heaven in Your Eyes by Loverboy, which I think was everybody's um their um prom song of that year. <laughs> Probably. Uh, so it had a couple. I mean, the rest of this looks like it's crap. Playing with the boys, Kenny Loggins. Yeah, hey. playing with the boys. Yeah, we That's know why. Another song about jerking off. I'm moving in slow motion. Feels so good. It's a <laughs> so yeah, it had a few hits. I mean, not not a ton, but it had some. Okay, fair enough. Um, uh, I th- I'm just saying, KK kind of talks about it like what a missed opportunity we would have turned into yeah. Bon Jovi. I don't know that it would have made a huge difference anyway, because I do think they got some serious positive push at the time with mm-hmm. Johnny Be Good. They got a lot of MTV play with it, and it they was did. kind of a precursor for. And you get into this in the book, uh, a precursor for Ram It Down. Now, a- 
Only because, because I, your description of ram it down was exactly how I felt about it at the time. Um, but, but only recently, when I talked to KK just a few months back, when he was doing the whole book publicity, uh, sure. that I, he something he said made me think maybe I want to check this out. And I went back and listened to it again, and you know what? It's not as bad as I thought it was. It's a, it's a slightly better record than I recall. But yeah, it's still. Well, it's not as good as firepower. <laughs> <laughs> it's to it's it, you have softened with age, man. Because geez, oh man, I cannot listen to it. It's just there's a couple of tunes that are okay, but or three, maybe four. But oh, it is such a tough listen. You know, it's just it's it's songs that weren't good enough to be on turbo, and it didn't that, feel lazy. Yeah, it just ugh. and it but, still does. Yeah, I don't. I, I, to me, other, <clears throat> other than Nostradamus, it is the worst thing in their catalog. I mean, Nostradamus sets its own bar for low in my book. But as we far should as almost album, do a side episode on that because I, I don't even know what the fuck to, to talk about there. Dude, it, it's so bad. It I mean, really is. Even, and, and even trying, it was a you bad know, idea. It's like at, at no point did anybody push pause and go, "What the fuck are we doing?" Dude, I, I, I don't know this to be true. This is a 100% speculation. Okay. But I honestly think that Nostradamus came about as a as a contractual agreement for Halford to come back to the band. Because, oh, so it was like a passion project for him. Yep, because he was off. If you think about when he was away. He did he did some stuff that was kind of weird. Yeah. You know, two and even some of the fight stuff, even though I love that stuff and it's heavy, was different than Priest. Yep. And he started doing Priest stuff again that sounded very Judas Priesty, Crucible and the first one. And I think Judas Priest saw that he was grabbing the attention that was not going to the Ripper band. And they brought him back, but and you know they talked to him about coming back, but he he said, well, only if I can do my other stuff, as well. And I think they agreed to it because I don't know anybody that well. I know one guy that loves that record. It's that guy Jim that listened to it, and you probably saw him in the news ten years ago that listened to it like six hundred straight days because <laughs> he's a fan of our show and he still swears by that record, but. Uh, God damn it, Jim! Now I'm going to listen to it again because you just told uh, me that fucking story. You won't, you won't, you won't make it through it. I doubt it. I haven't yet. Uh, (laughs) You'll get to War and Plague or something like that, and you'll be like, "What the fuck am I doing listening to this?" I couldn't get KK to say a negative thing about that record. Well, dude, what do they say negative about though? Those guys, I, I am stunned that KK said as much negative about the guys as he does. Fair enough. Yeah. Because if you think about the history of Judas Priest, up until KK's book came out, I never heard anybody say a bad word about anything. No, they all got along. Well, even when they didn't, they weren't getting along with Halford for 10 years. But I never saw those guys saying Halford sucks or fuck him, you know, or nothing. They they always took the, the high road and just were like, well, Rob's doing his thing and we've got our guy. And, you know, they never took shots at each other. And I know I interviewed Halford during that period five or six times, and he never, ever would take a shot. Not that I was asking him to, but, 
you know, he never said anything like, well, you know, I'm glad I'm not with Judas Priest anymore because I have this much freedom or, yeah. you know, I'm out of my own little prison or whatever. Not, you see, not even the typical shit, you know, you know, yeah. like John Bon Jovi when he released a Bon Jovi record as John Bon Jovi and, right. and acted like this is why I left the band. Why? Yeah. So you can sound exactly like you already do. And uh, <laughs> I'm so sick of the, the, the ropes that are holding me back. Here's right. Blaze of Glory. Right. That might as well have been written by exactly. the other guys. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, yeah, you're right. He, there was never really that kind of stuff going on. Because that's the more typical crap. Like, I just needed to get out and do my own thing. And yeah. um, I thought Fight was kind of an extension of Painkiller anyway. Yeah, kind of. It was. It was definitely much heavier. But I, I just think that the only way they were going to get Rob back was to do some stuff that they wouldn't normally do. Well, and, that's uh, that's a fairly interesting, unsubstantiated yeah, uh, and, type of uh, I don't know conspiracy. Well, and it's and again, I'm saying I'm not. I have no knowledge that that's true at all. It's it's a hundred percent rumor that I invented in my own head <laughs> when I heard Loch Ness on Angel of Retribution to end the record, which if you take that song and then bleed it into Nostradamus, you're into a whole, that song almost fits on Nostradamus. You son of a bitch. You know, and you, you when you start putting it together that way, you're like, well. All right. I, Someone wanted to do that. Cobras of Fire is officially going forward with it as fact that that is what <laughs> pulled uh, Judas Priest back together. We have unsubstantiated uh, rumor to back us up. Well, I, I wrote a book on Judas Priest. That should make me the authority, right? Fucking A, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you talked about like playing it for your army buddies. Uh, oh, that was Ram It Down. Yeah. 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 <laughs> And they hated it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I like how you said, because I have done the exact same. I, I've done something similar, I should say. Uh, like, I, like, there's so many records that, like, people talk about liking a lot. And then, like, I'm like, nope, nope. And then, like, fucking A, I'll hear one more person say, I'm going to go listen to it again. And, yeah. like, the first Riot record, Fire Down Under, yeah. I don't know how many times I've been dragged back to that thing. I think it's a pile of shit. It's boring <laughs> as fuck. But uh, uh, fucking A, Decibel Geek just talked about it on their 1981 episode, and I'm like, fuck, I got to go listen to it again. Yeah. And now it I have to listen to Nostradamus again because of that guy <laughs> you mentioned. And Oh. It's funny. <laughs> It does happen, though, man. It's weird with Riot. I actually like that record. Yeah, but a lot of people do. What the hell am I missing? Every, I, I don't know. Because, dude, if you took that record out of their catalog, though, I'm kind of with you. I can't I can't even name another song. Yeah, it's, you take that record out, and it's all just awesome album covers with no music. Yeah, with just, <laughs> just static. You know, I, I've never been a huge Riot fan either, but I do... I do like that record, but it, it's weird too with that record because you not only do people like that record, but you will see critics that will list that record as yeah. the greatest American metal album of all time. Wow. And it's all right, pull back a little bit, you know. Yeah. It's, you know, it's it, it's it's okay. It's not the greatest by American artist in the history of metal. I think bands like Megadeth and Metallica and Pantera and uh, I don't know, probably a zillion more probably come to mind. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have a term we call perfectly rated. We find Riot perfectly rated. 
<laughs> nice. They've been remembered exactly as they should be. Uh, at, by the way, it's it's a broad term. It, I think Van Halen is also perfectly rated. A very really? successful band that they're basically remembered as a great party band that a lot of fucking people like. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much who Van Halen is. Yeah, uh, it, 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 I will. I will admit it nauseates me when I hear people singing Van Halen as the greatest thing ever. It's like, ugh, it's just stop. Right, Especially well, when they do I, it now too. When they do it now, and they're you know talking about the awful shows that David Lee Roth does yeah. these days, and and they're like, oh, it's still good. You just don't understand. Dave likes to be self indulgent. Shut up. He stinks. <laughs> Oh, That's what he, does. he stinks. You need to start talking to different people because I don't hear that. I, I hear people that tolerate shit. Right, okay. You know, yeah. I don't I don't get a lot of people well, again, maybe it's just I'm running in the wrong circle. I just don't get a lot of blowback from clear shit. Yeah, David LaRoth hasn't been able to sing for a while. He can he right. can probably pull it off in the studio. I thought that last record was okay, but uh yeah. as far as his performance, he sounded all right. I was no. actually surprised he sounded as good as he did. I went and saw him on, um, we, we drove to Wisconsin, which was like an eight-hour drive. To from see, Cleveland? From Cleveland, All yeah. Right. Well, we, we, we went, um, it was, it was the show was Doc and Rat, Jackal, and Van Halen. And we had, we had uh, a unique opportunity because of Dokken to have all access okay. all day. So we so we went because we wanted to you know see if we could get up close and meet Van Halen. So we you know which we did, which was which it was a unique opportunity and it was one of the few times that I was ever let me, willing. Let to me try. just stop you. Was Gary Sharon as awesome as he seems? <laughs> no, it was it was on the last it was on the last tour. But I, Wait, I got, Dawkins played with Van Halen at yeah. some point on the last tour. Yeah, on the on the different kind of truth or whatever that record's called on that record, like one show, right? This was not yeah, like just part- one show, okay, just one right. show. But but so we go and and we we stayed all day long and we partied. I mean, I, we partied really hard. And by the time Wait, Van Halen, how hard did you party? Was Andrew WK there by the end of the night? <laughs> you know, he should have been, dude. It was <laughs> we. The, the funny story we have out of that is that J- this was when Jesse James Dupree from Jackal was hocking that god-awful whiskey that he does. He still does. What do you mean? When? He's like currently well, doing that. Current. Well, th- this was before it was on the market. Okay. And he, he had bottles of it. It was just white-labeled bottles. It was his whiskey. Okay. <laughs> you know? And we were all – it was it was me, um, two of my friends, uh, Carlos Cavazzo, Warren D. Martini, Don Dockin, and John Levin sitting at a table eating lunch in a tent. And Jesse James Dupree comes into the tent and he's like, yeah, you know, <laughs> Jesse James Dupree. And he's like, y'all got to take a pull of my whiskey. You got to see what it's all about. So every one of us takes a pull of this shit. And it is like drinking bleach. It is just wretched bad. And I'm a whiskey drinker. So, okay. you know, it's not that it was like, Wow, it was too strong, or I'm not whiskey. You know, I'm, I don't drink whiskey. Or whatever. <laughs> this stuff, this stuff tasted like you could clean a, you know, clean out a, a ruptured colon with it or something. It was just awful, and, and but one of our one of my one buddy that was with us, he just wanted the free booze. So he's like, "This is great. This is awesome." Je-, you know, he's all starstruck and whatever. Yeah. So Jesse gives him the bottle. 
and he drinks this entire bottle. So fast forward like two hours and he's all fucked up now. And the Van Halen bus pulls up and fucking he is the biggest Van Halen fan, Eddie Van Halen fan ever. And Eddie just gets out of the bus and, is, you know, he's walking around backstage. And, and you know, even it, it, it's funny with, with Van Halen. He's probably the the biggest star that I've ever been backstage with, I guess. I mean, okay. I've, I've, I've been backstage with Metallica and Ozzy or whatever, but there's a different aura. I don't know how else to even explain it other than there's an aura. I get what you're saying. I know exactly what you're saying. So when Eddie comes out the bus, even all these guys that are from LA and know Eddie and grew up with Eddie all at the same time on the strip, they're all walking up. Hey, Hey Eddie, how are you? Can we take a picture? Can, you know, all these guys that grew up together on the strip are taking pictures with Eddie Van Halen. So, my friend John, he goes up and he's crying because he's drunk. And Eddie Van Halen's his favorite musician. He's like, oh, Mr. Van Halen. It's just so embarrassing. And we just kind of turned and walked away just out of sheer shame. <laughs> <laughs> Hung head in shame. It was like, yeah, we don't know uh, that guy. Anything else to talk about? Where can we get the damn book? Uh, I, I could send it to everybody if you want. Right, go ahead. You know what? I don't do these for money. I mean, I you know what? I I've done really well with the books and the books. You know, I've five books in and I've I've sold. Do you self publish or how does this work? Yeah, I do the self publish. You know what? I for the first one that I did, Little Victories, I had a deal with a pretty major company, and I won't say who because I don't think I'm allowed to. Okay. But um, I I had a deal. They gave me even a a, a bonus, like a a check, an advance. And I had to give it back because I was completely stubborn about not being willing to change words and phrasing and stories and no, okay. cover art and everything. You know, I'm 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 a prick when it comes to something that has my own name on it. So I went the self-publishing route, and because of the classic metal show, which has you know really decent decent fan base, you know they buy a lot of these books. They've each each of the books except Judas Priest so far has sold. Um, over 2,000 copies. Oh, cool. And Judas Priest, which has only been out since uh, Black Friday, just passed 1,000 over the Christmas holidays. So, You're going to you know, hit it. So, uh, you know, I'm I'm 10,000 books sold, and and I've done it completely myself. So I'm a big, big believer in, uh, in the self-publishing. I mean, you got to know a little bit about graphic design and art and stuff, which – I guess it helps that one of my businesses is that I run an IT company, okay. but uh, you know that I, I do it that way and it and it works real well that way. So, but so uh, where can where can someone buy the the, the um, cause and effect Judas Priest Turbo? Well, it's a, it's available on um, Amazon um, in all three formats um, in the the paperback, the Kindle, or iPhone or whatever. That, that you would use do with that and the audiobook and the audiobook also just came online with audible.com and um, iTunes and pretty much anywhere else that that you would normally get audiobooks from has it now so and if anybody's and, listening we're going to try to put most of those links in the the show notes so you can awesome. you, you can find it there too um 
Well, Chris, this has been an uh, I've been I've been a bit of a a fan from a distant distance in a while. It was uh, good to actually uh, you know just chat with you and kind of kind of have some little bullshit conversations. I, I thank you for taking it sideways quite a few times. That's kind of our <laughs> our thing here at the show. Well, as you can tell, I like to talk. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. That's the whole point with podcasting, right? Exactly, man. Well, dude, you should come on. You should come do classic metal shows some night. Are you kidding? Anytime. You know, we always joke uh, because we're kind of like uh, uh, the guy that you're not talking to today, Loose Cannon. We yeah. are uh, writers for Decibel Geek as well, and that's kind of how we came together. And that we we joke that like, well, if you're listening to our show, you're probably already a fan of and listener of Decibel Geek. Uh, I gotta think the same thing with your show. There are probably not that many people listening to our show that haven't already checked you guys out, but. Check out the Classic Metal Show if you haven't, because it is really cool, man. Yeah, it's fun. It's definitely, but be be warned, it's dirty. <laughs> it's not safe for work, yes. Uh, no. But no, if you, you again, if you listen to our show, that's probably okay, too. You know, we don't have a lot of sensitive uh, listeners. <laughs> yeah, I, I always tell people that figure that it's the same the same accessibility as you would have watching like x videos or you porn or something with you <laughs> if, if if you wouldn't watch a porn a porn site with that wouldn't listen to us with them that's yeah. that's kind of the audience <laughs> yeah this is a clear your internet history type show oh yeah oh yeah all right well thank you again chris i really appreciate your time uh and wonderful job on the book it was a for fans of turbo you're, you're gonna dig it yeah and if you hate it my experiences you're gonna like it too cool well i hope people check it out all right any parting shots uh no man just um just uh keep keep doing what you're doing man we need more we need more good podcasts out there instead of all the bullshit that pollutes it
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.